how important do you think as a leader that whole self-awareness that that whole self-care piece is before you go and help others it's vital so you've done first aid training i'd assume i have Most yes people have done first aid <laughs> training what's the first thing they tell you to look at the danger that's around you you cannot help somebody else if you are in danger yourself and it is and it is the same with change it's the same with the, being a leader you cannot help your team if you're spiraling down yourself so there are a number of techniques that i use mindfulness techniques specifically that i use to ensure that every day when i walk into the office i'm centered hello and welcome to the mind to lead podcast i'm georgie hubbard and i am on a mission to help you live a level 10 life if you want to live an extraordinary life a life full of passion and energy of joy and abundance then this is the podcast that teaches you how to do just that through my conversations with some extraordinary leaders and my own life experiences i come to you weekly with all of the teachings and steps you need to take your life to the next level. So if you are ready to develop the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind to Lead podcast. And today I'm very excited because I'm sat down with a wonderful woman who I have followed a lot on LinkedIn. She's always writing some amazing blogs and articles and she's recently written a book, which I can't wait to discuss. Mary Beth Hosking, amazing to have you on the podcast today. How are you? (laughs) I'm well, Georgie. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) Amazing. So look, for the audience who don't know who you are, could you start by just giving a, just a brief overview of who you are and what sort of brought you to this point in your life so far? (laughs) I'd love to. I'm a change professional. I've been working in change uh, through IT for many years and have gone through multiple organisational changes through the course of my career. I manage teams, multifaceted teams, and every time a change is announced, um, I've found it interesting the way in which team members will um, either veer away from that change or veer towards that. And I decided about a year ago that I wanted to put my learning, things that I'd learned through the change process into a book to help other leaders. So many years ago, I was a very young leader. I had a team underneath me and the organization I worked with went through a major transformation and I was in impotence to be able to make any of the changes that I wanted to. I felt as if um, everything was taking place. It was all happening to me and it was happening to my team and there was a great deal of uncertainty. Out of that, I started learning what I needed to do as a leader to take my teams through transformation. Now, many years later, I've been through, and I hate to count the number of transformations that I've been through, but I've been through a lot of them. And I wanted to take those learnings and put them into a guidebook for leaders. So I decided I'd write a book. And from my perspective, called In One Piece, a step-by-step guide to surviving change. 
the idea is that it is just that. It's a step-by-step guide. So if you're leading a team of people and a change is announced, this book will help guide you through all of the different permutations that a change will take. It is not designed to be a regurgitation of uh, of Cotter's model of change or 7S. It's not designed that way. What it is is looking at each individual item within a change, each piece in that puzzle, and the things that you can do as a leader to help guide your teams through that. Wow. That sounds like an amazing book and one now more than ever, (laughs) with so much change happening in the world every day that I can imagine every leader would want to get their hands on on this book. So you've obviously got such a passion for for the whole change management piece. And I I actually recruited for a couple of change managers in my time. And everyone's kind of got their own sort of way of thinking about, about change and how you go through that process. But I'd love to pick your brain on perhaps some of the things that you've seen go really well and some of the things that perhaps you haven't seen go so well. So let's start with the good first. Like, how do you go about managing change in a big organization? Because, you know, change is the only constant in life. But as human beings, we're not very good at dealing with it. So as a leader, how where do you even begin? (laughs) So change starts inevitably it will start with the change announcement. That's Mm. the first thing. When a change happens, whether you are directly a part of that change and one of the decision makers in that change or whether that change is thrust upon you, it will come with an announcement. There is some idea that change is going to take place. And it is from that point for a successful change that you need to start embedding communication, a communication strategy with your team, understanding the implications of the change for your team and how you're going to take your team through that um, with clear, concise, constructive comms at regular intervals. That's one of the key elements in the book, but also revisiting those communications because change is not linear and it will shift and move and making sure that your communications are targeted for a point in time and being flexible enough to know that it will shift and change. Um, Then you need to start looking at your individuals in the team. You'll have change agents, those people that just want to be part of the change. And then you'll have those that are afraid of the change and they will go into the flight, fright or freeze state. Uh, And you need to be, as a leader, cognizant of those things that are happening around you. And that is through communicating, through speaking to people in your team and actively listening to them. Mm. It's not enough to just listen, but to actively listen, hear what they're saying, and actually look at the things that are underpinning their behaviours. In the book, I don't talk about psychology too much, but there is a psychology to change. And you'll see people's behaviours, the behaviours that they they adopt uh, will determine where they are at in that acceptance of the change that's happening to them. People that are really uncomfortable with the change may become isolationists. They'll hold on to all of their information and not want to share it. And then those that are absolutely uncomfortable with the change will want to share and move on and embrace the change and how your organisation and your team will work post that change. So it is um, from 
a change perspective as a leader. It's making sure you've got your communication strategy there and in place and that you truly are listening to what it is that your team are telling you. Mm-hmm. And then also listening to yourself because yes. I don't care how good a leader you are and I'm a change agent. I love change. But I'll be really honest. When change is thrust upon me, if I don't have clear, concise communication, if I don't actually know what's happening with the change, how it's going to affect me, what's in it for me, what's in it for my team, I also become very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So in knowing that in myself and being able to self-reflect, I then take those learnings and use those with my team. Because as a change agent, if I'm uncomfortable, then my entire team is going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So a change that has gone well has been a change that has addressed that. Mm. So may not enjoy the message of the change, but I was with a previous organisation and they had to make some very hard decisions, but they were very open and upfront about what those decisions were, how they were going to go about that process and what the repercussions of that would be. Now, the outcomes weren't um, weren't good outcomes for a lot of individuals, but certainly from a process perspective, we all knew and we all had a clear view of what was going to take place. That's, I, I'm going to pick that apart because there's so many key things that you just said there. Um, one of the big things that stood out for me, uh, well, there's a couple of things, but I want to talk about the first thing, which is you mentioned how you feel and how you responded, because if you weren't able to deal with the change yourself, then how can you help others, right? So I have a big belief that everything starts with self. You know, it's all about, you know, making sure we are in a good headspace every day. And then if we're good, we can help others. How important do you think as a leader that whole self-awareness, that that whole self-care piece is before you go and help others? It's vital. Mm. So you've done first aid training, I'd assume? I have, Most yes. Most people have done first aid <laughs> training. What's the first thing they tell you to look at? The danger that's around you. Mm. You cannot help somebody else if you are in danger yourself. And it is... And, It is the same with change. It's the same with being a leader. You cannot help your team if you're spiralling down yourself. So there are a number of techniques that I use, mindfulness techniques specifically that I use to ensure that every day when I walk into the office, I'm centred. I will spend 15 minutes in my car before going into the office doing a mindfulness technique called a full body scan. If you're aware of what that is, I will, I will sit in my car and I will just go back to the breath, go back to my breathing exercises and I'll do full body scans so that I feel centered for the day. And especially when I'm working in a business that's going through major transformation, because I want to be as, as authentic a leader as I can be. And I cannot be an authentic leader if I don't have my in check mm. so I do full body scan and even when I'm not going through transformation I'll do that mm. just so that I feel centered and in a place of calm before commencing my day mm-hmm. yeah I, I... I'll, I'll, 
Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I just think that that whole full body scan is something that I do part of my meditation practice, just becoming aware of my breath, you know, recentering. So, so you, you sit in the car, you center yourself, you, you do your body scan. And then when you walk through those doors, how do you feel ready to be with your team? I feel, I feel, I feel calm. Mm. I feel in control of the things that are going to happen around me. I'll do a, a very quick breathing exercise before going into a stressful meeting. It is just around being collected and calm mm. because when you are certainly dealing with a transformation and if it's, a, if it's anything like we're going through right now with COVID-19, you need to be in a place of calm because everyone in your team is looking to you to be calm. Mm. If your leaders are... Um, are excited or uncontrolled during a change like this, then that's all you've got to uh, to look at. It's very frightening, very confronting. Mm. And so being aware of I'm an emotional individual, being aware of my emotions and making sure that I am in a calm space before mm. speaking with people, certainly around uh, these sorts of changes that are taking place is very important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think we, we actually discussed this before we jumped on the call about just how mindfulness has kind of got a bit of a bad rap. It's like airy fairy, you know, people are like, oh, what's all this mindfulness rubbish? Well, actually, I think it is the foundation to, it should be the foundation to mindset, leadership, everything. And um, I just think if more leaders could adopt this practice of becoming more self-aware, more present, then the active listening skills would be better because when you can actually be present and I don't, I'm, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but I know through having a very good mindful practice, when I then am with my team, I, I can listen better, you know, but, but whereas before I stopped, before I started my mindfulness practice, I did find it very hard to listen because my mind was so, what I'm doing next, what I'm having for lunch, I'm got to send that email. So how have you found having the mindful practice has impacted not just the way that you live your life, but how you are as a, as a leader when you're with your team as well? Well, I like I like how you say being present because it is about being present. So it's the art of conversation, isn't it? Active listening is the art of conversation. It is listening to somebody's response, digesting that, and then thinking about how you to it. Mm. Um, not thinking about uh, not thinking about a response to a question that hasn't been asked. Mm. So I do have um, I do I do find that. There are a lot of people that assume you're going to say something and they'll respond in kind, but it, that's not the question I was going to ask. So I find that for myself, that's probably one of the things that I, I find most frustrating. So I, I won't do that. I'll listen to what people have to say, be present in the moment, which means not having my phone with me. If I do, I normally do a bit of a whip around when I'm in the office. I'll do a whip around the office, see how people are going that morning, just get a bit of a, uh, I guess, a, a sense check of how things are and how we, people are placed uh, in this new virtual world. I'll do the same thing. Just reach out to individuals in the team, how are they thinking, how are they feeling today. Uh, but when I do do that physically in the office, my phone sits at my desk. Mm. I don't take that with me. I don't want an 
added distraction. Mm -hmm. What I want is to connect with somebody and for them to know that I'm actually speaking with them mm -hmm. and, uh, and then and not being interrupted by other things. So that being present, and I think that's about being authentic as well. So listening to what people have to say. Certainly during change, people are more forthcoming with their fears and their anxieties. Do I have a job? Will I have a job? What does this mean for my family? What's in it for me with the change? All of those things are so important and they become the thermometer or the temperature check of your team. And that is what you'll use as a leader to ensure that your team uh, will hopefully get through the change reasonably unscathed. And if they are impacted, you've been authentic with them from the start so that they know that as a leader, you've got their back, no matter what the outcome may be, whether that's a, a good or a, a, a or an unexpected outcome. Mm, absolutely. And look, I'd love to pick your brain now as well, because we we are kind of slowly coming out of isolation, you know, fingers crossed things do go back to quote unquote normality, but I guess it, nothing's going to go back to the way it was before. I think the way of work is going to change. And again, that word change keeps coming up. So we've, we've talked a lot about how the, what, the, what great things leaders can do. So obviously communicate, become self-aware, look after themselves. But at this time now, what should leaders be aware of what not to do? Because I, I feel like a lot of people learn, they, they can learn more by knowing what they shouldn't do because when you're aware of something, you can then change it. So in terms of like where we are now as a society, if you're in a leadership role and you're listening to this right now and, you know, you are worried about the future and, you know, you want to help your team as best that you can. So like, what are some of the things that you would advise people not to be doing or be aware of at this point? I talk a lot about communication, putting communications together. Sometimes as a leader, you want to tell your team what you think they want to hear. Mm. It's important to stay on message and to be clear about the message. And however, um, however confronting that message may be for your team members, you need to be honest with them. You do your team a disservice by trying to sugarcoat what may not be able to be sugarcoated. So yes, we may be coming out of isolation, but it was supposed to be beginning of July. Now it's going to be the beginning of August and that, that may shift, that may change. Um, comment and communicate on what it is that you know. Don't speculate on what you don't know. Mm. Um, and make sure that if you are uncertain Ask your leadership for a steer. Make sure that you've got a sense of certainty in the way in which you're communicating with your team. I think that's probably the one thing is um, you can be empathetic to people's plight, but you, you must make sure that your communications with them are authentic and real and try not to uh, put rose-coloured glasses on because sometimes in change, change is not necessarily um, a, a process that is enjoyable for some. And so you really do need to be very clear with your, with your communication. Mm. Uh, and then also, uh, I think it really comes down to when you are working with your team, trying not to uh, brush under the carpet the way people feel. 
So if someone says to you, I'm feeling really uncomfortable by this, this is making me uncomfortable, I'm feeling anxious, you need to take that on board and say, yeah, I hear you. We've got things in place, whether your organisation has an employee assistance program or whatever mindfulness techniques, whatever gratitude practice, whatever you have that's in place to support your team members, but don't negate how they feel because every single person will be feeling very differently about a change that's taking place. Absolutely. And you just touched on something really, really important there that I think all leaders, especially now, should be, you know, really trying to upskill in, and that is empathy. And I think empathy and also that vulnerability. You know, I think what um, one thing that I've noticed, some, some amazing leaders that I've been speaking about, is they, they've been very open and vocal and saying things like, I don't have all the answers. And do you know what? I am a little bit anxious myself. And how important do you think being vulnerable as a leader is it humanizes you yes absolutely humanizes you i i will i'll be honest i got i got back from an overseas trip i was on a cruise ship just before (laughs) we went (laughs) and yet and yet completely bypassed everything and got back to the to a country where we had no toilet paper no food on the shelves and I was thinking the world's gone mad what's going on and it was terrifying for a moment there because I'd been away on leave and having a fabulous trip and I got back and the world had gone mad and I felt anxious Mm. and I said to my entire team I'm feeling anxious because Mm. I don't know what to expect yes I've gone through a lot of changes but organizational change happens within the organization this is a global change yeah nobody has been through this not in my lifetime certainly um not in theirs and so it is unprecedented for us so yes i was very honest i I wasn't uh hysterical Mm. about it mind you i was calm but expressing that i too was feeling that level of anxiety because it makes things real that people we're leaders we're not robots Mm, yeah (laughs) we're going to feel the same emotions that our team are feeling and we may not have all the answers Mm. so I think being that little bit honest Mm. it shows you are you're honest and you're authentic and you are um, human yeah I completely agree. And and it, it, people think that, oh, being vulnerable is a sign of weakness. But I, I completely disagree. I think it is a sign of courage. I think if you can open up and be really truthful and, you know, I, like you did with your team, I'm feeling a bit anxious. I'm feeling a bit uncertain. Like you said, it just makes you a human. You know, I think mm-hmm. that people want... I'm a leader, therefore my team need to put me on a pedestal and I need to be seen to have all the answers. But actually that can almost create a little bit more of like distrust. You know, it's like, well, who is this person? You know, like how can they be so calm? So I think that is just such powerful advice to leaders that, you know, don't be afraid to to open up to your team team and, and express how you're feeling because all feelings want to be felt. And I think as well, if you bottle it up, it's got to come out in some form you know, and, and, you know, and I'd love to actually hit, you know, what's your thoughts on that when you, when you see people maybe not expressing how they feel, like how, what's the impact of that when that continues to go on over time, when people aren't expressing how they truly feel? Well, it affects their deliverables, their ability to deliver. It affects 
the way in which they behave. People's behaviors will change. Um, normally you go into that, that um, fight mode. So you become, uh, you might become more aggressive, those sorts of things. But I wanted to touch on what you'd said before of, of people putting their leaders up on a pedestal. A true leader leads from the front. Yes. You're down with your team. Mm. You need to be there guiding them, giving them the vision, showing them the way to go, the way to behave. If you express to your team and allow them the opportunity to uh, to express how they're feeling, mm -hmm. then they're able to actually rationalize that and understand it and then move on from it. Mm. And I think that that you can see that in people who are unable to do that. People that are afraid of change really do hold on to things very tightly. And what they don't realize is if I'm holding on to all of my work, if I'm not sharing this, it just it removes their ability to be able to move further on in their career, to make a change in their career. It, it, it flows on. So it's not only the change that it impacts, but it will impact their careers going forward. Mm. I completely agree. And we, we've spoken before, Mary, about like the softer skills of uh, leadership. And I would love to touch upon now. So in this new world that we're going to be living in, what do you think if you could write a job ad for a leader, what would be the, the key skills in the job ad that you would say? And then and more of like, I guess, that whole emotional, the, the softer skills. But yeah, you're writing a job ad and you want to you want a leader to respond. What would sort of the key points be that you'd have in that ad? I would want a leader with a high level of emotional intelligence. <laughs> somebody somebody that can actively listen yes. and communicate well. That has a vision that I can follow, but also somebody that my team can learn from. I want a leader I can learn from. Mm. So a, a leader that is uh, has a love of learning that will empower me to step up, that will inspire me to step up and do a, a, a better job or be become uh, stronger in my career. Um, somebody that has commitment and passion for the organisation that they work for, but also for themselves mm. and for their team. So a leader that has your back. I I recall in a previous role having a leader that did not have my back or my team's back. And it was confronting and really challenging and disappointing. There was a lack of trust and trust in your team, allowing your team to, allowing your team to fail, giving them the, um, the latitude to be able to fail at things and to learn from the failure and then to become stronger and deliver more I think that's the true testament of a, of a good leader, a leader that micromanages you and keeps you in a box because of their own fear. They'll just lose talent. Yes. So from my perspective, I want a leader that's going to empower me. Mm. I remember working with a fellow many years ago now, and I was saying to somebody today, you know, you have those leaders that, that just completely inspire you. And then you move on to a different organization, but you spend all your time trying to find that leader again, not that person, but just somebody that leads in that way. And it takes so many goes around before you find that person. And you just, you want to never let them go because they bring out so much in you. Um, they're the leaders that, 
that we need. Post-COVID and whatever this new normal is going to look like, those are the leaders that we need. Those that are going to empower us to, uh, to rise above everything. If we go into a world recession, those that are going to be there with a clear vision that we can follow. They're the leaders. They're the ones. That's what the job ad needs to have. Yeah. Visionaries, people who, you know, are sort of like looking to the future, what's coming, you know, how can we plan, you know, because who knows, there might be another pandemic, you know, and how, and, and, and I think you do need to be think, think, thinking, yeah, to the future, what does that look like? So you've also just touched on something that I am extremely passionate about myself, and that is self-development. Um, you said, you know, leaders who develop themselves, mm -hmm. and I am all for that. So I'd love to know, what are some of the things that, that you've done, you know, in this time to develop yourself? You'll notice if you, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I talk a lot about mind elasticity. Your brain is a muscle like any other muscle in your body. If you don't use it, it will atrophy. So you need to be learning, constantly learning. And I personally have a love of learning. I will do courses on things that I think, oh, that would be interesting. It may not be in my wheelhouse at all, but I'll do that. I just finished three courses. Wow. Which, because I, I work in IT, <laughs> I decided that I would do an Azure Fundamentals course because we do a lot in the cloud space. And I thought, oh, I, should, I should really learn about that. And then I did a DevOps Fundamentals course. And I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then for some reason, I thought, oh, blockchain. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> I might learn that. So I've gone and done these basic sort of the fundamental courses to get a very a, a broad overview of what they are. But Certainly when I join a new organisation, if there's areas that I am I don't know about, I'll actually start learning and doing courses and online courses just to understand what's in that estate so that I have a, a, a fundamental understanding so that I can have conversations with people. Mm. And I think that's really important. Um, on the other side of that, I'm learning what it is to publish a book, yeah. having just decided I'm going to write a book. I think I have something to say, um, which was, which is, I think we talked earlier, uh, Georgia, you were saying to me, why did you decide to write a book? I, I'm constantly learning and wanting to learn new ways and adapting my style so that I am the best leader I can be for the teams that are underneath me. And I thought, I think I have something to say in this change piece. I've been getting a lot of, a lot of communication through LinkedIn, through people that I'd worked with in, with in the past. And they'd said to me, well, we're still at the same organization. This, the change is quite protracted and I really need some assistance. And I thought, I'm giving you a little bit of advice here and there. Maybe I can fold this into a book. And so that was learning. Mm, absolutely. I, it's incredibly confronting when you start saying to people, I'm going to write a book <laughs> because then you're obligated yeah. to write a book. Yeah. So, so from my perspective, if there's something that interests me, I'll go out and learn that. Uh, I wrote a book and now I'm starting to look at uh, the possibility of writing fiction. What, what does it take to do that? So I've started doing a course on fiction writing and seeing what that might take. I may not go down that path, but I think that, if we don't challenge ourselves, give ourselves personal goals, uh, then I think we're missing out. And I think each individual needs to sort of just 
put a little bit back into themselves. Mm. I, I work with my team and I've put in four key performance indicators for them. And one of those, or two in fact, are around learning. Every team member in my team must do a course or read a book or do something for self-development every quarter. Because I believe that you need to keep yourself uh, hireable. Mm. And the other side of that is um, mentoring and coaching. I do a lot of mentoring and coaching with my team because I want them to be the best leaders they can be because everyone's got a bit of leadership in them and they need to be mentored to be able to reach that. Mm. I I wish that you mentored me, Mary, because I, uh, I I haven't been so lucky to, <laughs> to work for, oh, I've, I've worked for some amazing leaders and some not so much, but I think it's all part of my journey and it's certainly helped me become the leader that I am today because I think you can learn just as much from a quote unquote bad leader than you can an amazing leader so I'm very grateful to have to have both experiences but let's go back to the book because um I want to know the mind let's go into the mindset of doing that so because I think there's a lot of people especially I've spoken to recently that because look I'd love to write a book one day myself so how did it sort of like come about when you just sort of said right I'm going to do this what was the sort of the first step that you took to make that happen so I'm going to take you back on a little journey and I'm going to be really, really honest with this journey um, about, let's say, okay, 20 years ago. Let's, <laughs> we're, just, we're just going to put it out there. I was involved in a change that uh, I worked in an organisation and I loved my job. I loved my team. I loved what we were doing. And so my network, I, I let my network go. My resume hadn't been touched in years. I just loved what I was doing and then the organization decided they would close that business unit down and I went into a tailspin I, I, I said before how I felt impotent about the change completely impotent didn't know what to do I really did not know what to do I thought oh god I have to uh, I have to apply for new roles uh, it, it was just it was just terrifying at the time and so I started writing a blog and all I can say is thank goodness that I didn't put that blog anywhere and it just stayed on my computer because <laughs> 20 years ago, it was quite angsty, but it did have some gems in that and some things. And I thought, oh, I can use this. This actually, there are some really good learnings in here. If I just take away, you know, the bit of the angst that was in there and I actually look at it from a, a learning piece as something that you could learn from or somebody else could use. And I was speaking with my coach. I have an executive coach who I work with who just helps me to really see things differently. And I was speaking with Amanda uh, around this angsty blog that I happened to come across again. And she said, I said to her, I think this could be a book. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a nugget of truth in that. And she said, well, why don't you write a book? And so that's where the, the idea came from. And it came from the sort of middle of last year when I just happened upon this, this blog that I'd started writing and um, I'm never sharing it. It will never see the light of day, <laughs> good God. But the book, when I, I approached an editor to help me work on the book, she'd said to me, you've got some really interesting concepts in here and, and this I think will help people. And, and I thought... Yeah, if I can help people, even if one person buys the book and says, wow, that's great, it helped me, then that, that, that was what it was for. 
I'm not in, I, I have no idea where it will go. I don't have any idea how many people will buy it, but I've written something that I think is useful. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, that's where the idea came from. And then making that decision. And then I think the key here is though, how do you follow through? How do you keep the momentum up? Mm, yes. Which is challenging when you are doing courses, when you are managing a team, mm. uh, when you have a big team, a big remit of work to do. And so just keeping the momentum. And so I put a process in place where every night I would write 500 words. I would just write 500 words and then on the weekend I would review what I'd written during the course of the week and then I'd write another couple of thousand words and then I would let it sit, let it percolate and then I would go back to it and read it and go, oh, no, I've been, I've duplicated here, I've done that. And so I got myself into that process and it really is the only way I think you can write is just to continue to just keep the pressure on yourself. Mm, Absolutely. Well, you've now finished the book, which is absolutely amazing. So I just like full credit. I think anybody who sits and writes a book, I've got so much respect for. Um, I, I personally love writing myself and it is on my definitely on one of my goals I think that you touched on something that it's just the discipline it's the goals it's the purpose and it's like you say like it's the impact right like you just said it beautifully then if one person reads my book and learns something gains something then that's 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 amazing I feel like I have impacted the world because that one person goes on to impact multiple people and it's like a ripple effect so it's 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 really powerful what you just said then and who when you were writing the book who did you sort of visualize like who did you write this book for was there a particular person in mind or or is it a book that anyone can pick up who's just interested in leadership that's interesting that you asked that um I think I originally I wrote the book for 20 year ago me (laughs) (laughs) because I remember I remember I remember and I still remember the panic and the impotence and that lack of control and now these days when something happens I take control of the narrative I just decide no I'm going to this is how I'm going to control this event things that are completely out of my control there are still things with which I can control I can control my schedule I can control the way I respond um I wrote the book for leaders, for people that have teams that are going through a transition, uh, for those that um, that want to be able to address a change as effectively as possible, those that want to work with their teams through, you know, the storming, norming, forming, performing process, that sort of thing, and what actions they can actually take through that, how they can work with their teams on their ways of working and putting their visions together, their vision statements. What does it look like? What does my elevator pitch for my team look like? It's, it covers those sorts of things. In the book, it's not new. I'm not talking about new concepts. We all know what a communication plan is, what a stakeholder engagement plan is. But do we know when we should be doing that? Do we know when that should actually take place? It's too late to do your communication plan when you're already making roles redundant. Mm. So it really is important to be able to take the different pieces in that puzzle, pull them together and action them when you need to action them. So really it is for leaders. It's designed for people with teams. But if you are a young, uh, if you're young in a team and you're thinking that you'd like to go into leadership, having a read of that as well, 
Mm. It will help you. It also just helps with any form of change, even if, if you looked at it from a personal perspective. Mm. Amazing. And when where can people buy the book? All right, so I'm publishing that with BookPod at the moment and it will be available online as well mm-hmm. as via BookPod in a hard copy. Mm-hmm. I am eagerly awaiting the editors um, or the, the publishers uh, they, they need to give me like what the book looks like so I can do that. And they're putting the covers together. So if you look out on LinkedIn, I'll have some cover art that I want people to vote on and tell me what they think okay. of the cover art uh, so that um, we can do that. And then the book will be available and those mechanisms. So if you want a hard copy, that's mm-hmm. going to be available or a soft copy. It does have templates in the book so you can have a look at that. Templates are basically in, a, in Excel so you could easily copy those or adopt those for what you want to do um, in your own practice, etc. So uh, they're available within the book as well. Amazing. It sounds like you've written the book at the the best time ever to be launching a book around leadership and change because there's a lot of there's a lot of change and a lot of people yeah. are scratching their head thinking, how do I navigate through this? So look, anyone who's listening who, you know, really does want to, you know, understand what it takes to to lead through through change definitely go and uh, visit Mary and uh, get a copy of this, Mary Beth, get a copy of this book because it's going to, I think, have a massive impact on people's lives. And final question for you, Mary Beth. If you are a leader, what would you say right now if you're a leader sitting at home as most of us still are and you could impact some advice to, to, to a leader who was, was maybe struggling a little bit, was maybe feeling a little bit uncertain at this time, what would you say to them? Like, what could they be doing day to day that would help them and also help their team? I think with leadership, as a leader, we can only make decisions based on the available information we have at a given time. So as a leader, you're better off making a decision and not letting time be the factor in that space. So by that, I mean... Don't allow time make the decision for you. Make a decision with the information that you have um, to, and allow your people to learn, allow them to grow, actively listen to what their wants and their needs are, um, and help each person achieve their career goals willingly. Mm. And as a leader, revel in their success. I... Uh, my father passed away many years ago now and I remember he'd only just retired and a lot of his workmates were at the funeral and I remember speaking with them and I was young, I was 25 at the time and I remember them saying to me, oh, you know, your father was just, he listened to us, he had our backs and he's going to really be missed and I thought that's, that's the sort of leader. I know it's a sad end point but I want to be a leader where people seek out people with my leadership qualities again in their next workplace. And so if you take care of your teams, they'll take care of you. It's really as simple as that. Your team will make you look good, but you need to empower them to do so. Um, You need to set them, you know, you need to set them off swinging through the trees. And if they get stuck and the rope gets tied around the neck and the, and the noose is getting tighter, you need to step in, prop them up, 
loosen the noose and then swing and then let them go on their way. You've really got to do that. You've got to let people grow. If you allow them to grow, then, you know, at the end of it all, when if and when they move on from you to another leader, they'll always remember that and you might actually have built a really nice friendship out of it too. I think that is just the best way to end this incredible conversation. Take care of your team and they will take care of you and just let people grow. I, I completely agree. I think, you know, there's gone of the times now of micromanaging. I think, you know, everyone, everyone wants to come to work now, not just to get a pay slip. They want to come to work and feel like they've got a purpose and a passion. And that is also down to the leader to, to draw that out of them, to, to understand their goals, where they want to go. I think that's just so powerful. I just think let people grow, let people develop. And as a leader, like you said, if you can help them do that, then you are going to have such an impact. So Mary Beth, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to connect? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. They want to LinkedIn. Yep, that's that's the primary focus at the moment. That's mm-hmm. where I'm I'm doing a lot of my posting. It's probably my my social media mm-hmm. outlet. Uh, so if they want to link with me, uh, ask me questions. If they want, if they're interested in getting a copy of the book, they can let me know. I will send out more details when it is ready. Um, fingers crossed. It will be, I had anticipated having it written by June, which I have done, big tick, mm-hmm. uh, but having it uh, published and printed and ready to go, is, it takes a little bit longer than that. Uh, another lesson that I've learned yeah. in this process. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if they link with me on LinkedIn, then happy to have a chat, certainly around change and around leadership. Fantastic. And we'll put all of the links uh, at the bottom of the show notes. So for anyone who's interested, they'll be there. Otherwise, Mary Beth, It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. And thank you for everyone for listening. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.